0: gather your gear it's time to head out for our road trip across america that will scare your pants off along the way with your hosts you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find discover each episode a cryptid a haunting and a strange encounter climb a boat a cryptid camp if you're brave Take it away, Shay.
1: Live from our cryptic camper, I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend, Tom. We'd like to thank you for joining us for Season 1, Episode 22 of Scare Your Pants Off, our American road trip. In today's episode, we've set up camp in Washington. How are you doing, Tom?
2: I'm great. How are you? I'm
1: doing really, really well. Washington was a struggle a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It was a little hard to find. There's a lot but not a lot with a lot of detail.
2: Yeah, I I, you know, like, I thought that I, I thought I would just have a list of like 50 cryptids to pick from from Washington, Pacific Northwest, we just know that strange things happen there. It, just, it, it historically, we know that and I'll tell you, it the list wasn't as big as I um I, I thought, you know, Bigfoot's obviously very big up there. That's, and I almost did Bigfoot, but, um, yeah, I was, I was surprised. Cause it's, um, you, yeah, you, you just, you hear about, you know, that Washington, Oregon, Oregon area that, and even Northern California, where just strange things happen. And, yep. but the, it was slim Pickens, So, but it's cool still. So you, um, you watch anything good recently?
1: Um let's see what I I feel like I feel like I rewatched so I literally just rewatched again Halloween Kills cuz nice how do you not um I think uh wait a minute do I remember correctly were you supposed to be watching Antlers I sometime did. recently I, mean, I really liked
2: it I did and uh yes it was I I I thought it I had a lot of fun watching it uh you know about the wendigo not enough movies about wendigo so Uh-oh. i uh you know and it's Del Toro, right so he yep. was just i mean everything he does is is really cool so yeah i uh and i like the cast too the i thought the cast was really good uh, and uh, it's you know some people that you don't typically see in horror horror flicks and stuff so
1: yeah, the little boy. I I don't and I should know his name. I should have looked it up before, him, but I didn't. The little boy was awesome. The the um, not the one that was with the father, but the little one that like was. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Like, he broke my heart. He was so good.
2: Yeah, that was uh, um, yeah, it was it was well done. It was cool. It was just um, yeah, it was uh, you know I was uh I I liked it even more than I thought I was gonna like it. So, which is which doesn't happen too often because I I knew I would like it, but like I didn't I, like I I really really enjoyed it. Thought it was uh a lot of fun, a lot of fun. It's, uh... Did I
1: tell you? I don't know if I told you. I fa- I saw something interesting, and I did fact check it a little, so I believe it to be true. Could be wrong, but I believe it to be true. I believe Willem defoe is going to be playing Nosferatu in a remake
2: i love it because he was in shadow of the it was a shadow of the vampire or something yep. and that was a yeah fantastic film like that was that wasn't just a movie. that was a film like that yeah. it, it was it was just so well i love willem defoe oh willem Dafoe.
1: and he'll do and i feel and it's and it's awesome too so for anybody who doesn't know um nosferatu came out in 1922 yes and then um, it was actually uh, uh, one of the first full-length horror movies, and um, it's not. It wasn't the first horror movie. The first horror movie actually came out in like 1896 or 1897. It was only three minutes long, so that's why I'm saying the first, one of the first full-length. Yeah. Um, but it's so awesome because if you watch Nosferatu, I love classic horror. I love like the old black and white no special effects kind of like they just had to figure out how to make shit creepy um of all the remakes they've done i actually love that they're doing this because i feel like nosferatu didn't have as big a life as as it should have and it, it has a big one obviously and it's and it's momentous for all of horror it really is a lot of where most things horror related stem from but it's i am so excited to see him play this
2: yeah it's gonna uh, yeah it's gonna be awesome too and for you guys out there if you haven't seen it check it out and then just do a little like deep dive on it it's super interesting about the lead actor and the rumors that are about him and possibly may have been a real vampire and um it's uh yeah it's just a classic and like she said it's one of the earliest ones and it's definitely one we'll have to um, watch uh what in uh season two of our show oh
1: yeah So so are we uh are we spoiling a little bit for the first time ever about season two
2: we can if you want it's up to you i'll leave that up to you
1: well so and we won't say much but obviously um season one cannot last forever and um tom and i have decided that we're going to maybe uh, do a road trip through half of the United States of America and take a little bit of a break and then maybe, maybe, uh, stick some roots down in our own little drive in, drive in or something. And, uh, talk about some horror movies. Cause as you can tell, listening to this podcast, as passionate as we are about the cryptids and the hauntings and the strange encounters and everything like that, horror yeah we're gonna we're gonna totally nerd out a little and i'm super excited for season two we don't have all the kinks worked out yet but um i think you guys are really gonna like it
2: yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun and yeah we had the idea to break it up for you guys too because you know it's you know 50 episodes is a lot or 52 i think or whatever with our bonuses and stuff like that so we thought it might be a good way to break it up and sort of some of the monotony for you guys and us and uh yeah, more news to come. I'm excited for it, but it's uh it's still gonna be in the horror jo- you know realm. So good stuff to come, guys. It's gonna be great. So well, all right. Uh this week I had the cryptid.
0: Time for the cryptid.
2: And again, I said it at the top that you know I, I thought there'd be a huge list, and there really wasn't. And Basically, I found two major ones, and, and well, two you know, with with a good amount of info on them. And one was Bigfoot, which I almost chose because we have not discussed a Bigfoot on this. But there's part of the reason we feel like you all kind of know the Bigfoot, and at some point we'll definitely discuss him. But it's we wanted to do some of the ones that you guys maybe not have not heard of, or we haven't heard of, or might be a little more interesting than just the Bigfoot. So i went with and i'm wondering have you ever heard of this shay the bat squatch
1: so i haven't heard of it but honestly like i feel i feel like the name paints a pretty good picture for me so I, i feel like i can venture a guess but i'm excited so tell me about them
2: yeah so as you astutely picked up yes from its thing it is a bat sasquatch hybrid and it's said to be over nine feet tall and weigh as much as two grown grizzly bears. It has piercing yellow eyes, blue-tinged fur, razor-sharp teeth, a wolf-like muzzle, a broad muscle-bound torso, and bat-like wings that could span up to 50 feet. Pretty huge. And <laughs> that's like, that 50 feet, that's a, that's a big wingspan. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of makes sense because it is over nine feet tall. So you wouldn't it would need, you know, crazy big wings to counteract that, the and the weight as well of two grown grizzlies, which is, you know, over a ton right there. Yeah. Uh, the beast is also said to possess psychic and telekinetic abilities and powers that allow it to affect car engines radios and televisions so the first sightings occurred shortly after the eruption of mount st helens on march 27th 1980 so that was when the big eruption happened and then for like a couple months after there was like small little eruptions which is pretty typical with volcanoes if you have the big one and then you might have some just like I, not aftershocks because that's earthquake, but something like that where it's just small little things. So um, word of mouth uh, began to spread very quickly, and locals started to look for it at this point because now you know it's become a big enough story. But after a few months, uh, sightings started to subside and people started to talk about less and less and then it was pretty much forgotten for over a decade it's uh, you know you might hear a few things but pretty much forgotten until april of 1994 when brian canfield was driving his was driving his truck down a road and it suddenly stalled so obviously he gets out of the out and pops the hood and uh, as he's tinkering around in there all of a sudden he hears a loud bang and uh like something that just like dropped or landed on on the the roof of his truck so and then uh and he said the uh suspension sort of squirmed and buckled from the impact and weight of whatever dropped on the on the roof so nervous obviously he kind of slowly peers around the open hood and he sees the bat squatch bat squatch <laughs> uh <laughs> staring and snarling at him obviously terrified he just takes off running and he's uh, he's near woods and he just runs into the woods and he's in there for hours he's just waiting to hear no noise he just he's waiting for it to leave and he's in there for hours so after a few hours he uh comes he comes back to his truck it's all and the bat batsquatch is gone and he heads back into town when he gets back into town locals notice that the back of his shirt was torn his truck was just scratched up all over and he was his he, he was like his nerves racked he's just kind of like mumbling and, and talking incoherently and uh yeah it's just a weird scene but I love this. But the locals, being locals, just chalk it up to him having one of those nights. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that, sure, that lines up, that makes, yeah, that's fine.
2: He's just a little drunk or whatever, right? Yeah, he must have just tied one on and had a crazy night. And, you know, that's pretty much what they think until he begins to open up about the experience. And, um, you know, more and more, you know, he, he only tells a few people, but people tell people and people tell people and people tell people, and then some local papers finally come around and, you know, start asking him questions. And he talks a little bit, gives a little bit of information, but most of the article is based off of the other people, um, things because he, he's just gets sick of it. And his, and it was a harrowing experience. So he didn't want to talk about it. And to this day, he won't talk about the experience people in recent years have tried to reach out and, you know, kind of verify claims or, you know, do podcasts on them. And he just, he does not talk about it anymore. He's, uh, interesting because if you're making something up, you know, I mean, yeah, technically maybe he's just like, if he did was lying, he's like, this went too far, but it, to me, it's more like, you know, it gives some more validity to the experience that he's just like, Nope, I don't want to talk about it so
1: yeah that's honestly that's the same that i was having because it's it's i mean i how would you feel if you were him that's awful yeah it, it, it's i mean they just made like a big joke out of it and something that really happened it's it's gotta i mean i, I wouldn't want to talk to anybody either would be like no you had a chance sorry
2: yeah but yeah and being in a small town everybody's talking about it it's yeah you're absolutely i i 100 because it's yeah that's a, a crazy experience so after that, there weren't, uh, many sightings for a little while and really, you know, you might hear of, oh, I saw something in the sky or something like that, but really the next sighting isn't for about like true sighting isn't for about 15 years. And that was when in 2009, um, near Mount Shasta, several hikers claimed to have seen it fly out of a crevasse in the mountain. Uh, And uh, others that were in the area uh, also that also claimed to see something thought that, you know, they they said they did see something, but they thought it might have been more like a Thunderbird, which, okay, you know, it's flying over. I could see that. Um, So then, you know, it's pretty quiet for about two years. And then in 2011, a man uh, claims that he was in his backyard playing catch with his dog when it flew directly over him like, and it was so low, like he almost could have reached up and touched it. It was that low as it flew over him. Um, then there, then we go about three years for the next sighting when in, on April 14th, 2014, students at Archbishop Hoban High School claim that a giant black mass zoomed by their class window and they said it was like going like the speed of sound it was just so fast but it was that huge mass that just right past the window so and that was the last major sighting that i i have found about but there have been sightings since and um according to locals in the area and stuff sightings usually pick up um in the summer months, which I guess would make sense, to people are outside hunkying, doing stuff, and uh, which would you know, I get it. Um, so that's essentially the story. Um, just a few things about it. It has been compared to the Mothman, which I can totally get the yeah, uh, you know the uh, uh, get it. I mean, we got it's uh, it's piercing eyes and they both fly. I mean, that's they're it. huge. Yeah, it's yep, absolutely um the the fact uh so people compared it because it it first showed up after mount saint helens uh eruption where the mothman usually shows up bef- b- before right a little bit yeah yep for a catastrophe usually with the mothman where this was after but again it was after the main eruption but there was a bunch of little eruptions afterwards so i can kind of I, I i can see that comparison as well and The fact that they both have these sort of telekinetic powers that can affect radios cars and all that jazz um which supposedly the mothman can too so i can totally compare it where others say it's more like a thunderbird where i don't see that comparison as much aside from maybe the size you know they have you know a lot of thunderbirds don't, don't typically have fur to my knowledge um so um and just one last thing, I thought this was cool, um, because, again, remember, I said, you know, sightings, sightings pick up in the summer. There's a local brewery, um, and one of their summer, you know, special IPAs is a bat squash. I thought that was cool and smart. You know, very my- smart. I love jump it. Jump in. And that is the bat squash. That was funny, because
1: it's, and I love the idea of naming, it's super smart for local businesses to name, some of their products after <clears throat> the cryptids and the hauntings and whatnot mm-hmm. and it's it's so funny because like anything i ever hear about bigfoot and uh like just a different cryptids is the the odor so like it, part of me is like oh i don't know i don't know that i would want to name a food or beverage after something that's stinky but at the yeah. same time, the cryptid lover in me is like, I'm totally going to drink that and I don't care what it smells like, I'm at least going to try it. Um, and I'm sure it's delightful. And if I ever actually literally or physically get to go to the area, uh, please believe I'm going to try one. Um, but I love that though. It's, it's an absolute stroke of genius, honestly, to, to utilize that culture. It's so awesome.
2: Yeah, that's funny. I didn't thought about the smell, but <laughs> that's a funny take on it. Cause yeah, cause when you hear about it, especially Bigfoot, see, it's that that overpowering odor that just permeates everything. So mm-hmm. that's funny. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was a pretty fun one. I hadn't heard of the bat Squad. I, I I've heard of you know these the, the there's other Sasquatch hybrids with stuff you know throughout the country, but thought it was a fun little story and. uh yeah that was a fun one
1: all right well um i have the haunting for today time for the hunt. Okay. and uh it's a little short but uh as with any i'm starting to i'm starting to have uh um a revelation of i might make horrible decisions sometimes but it's okay i'm going to um give you a little bit of a trigger warning only because this does involve children and it does involve children dying and um and i'm not going to do a lot of trigger warnings but when it comes to like kids and stuff like that i'm absolutely going to tell you this is a story that involves the death of children um so with that being said i'm going to go on and uh i'm going to talk about the campbell house and it's in spokane washington so the campbell house was actually designed in 1898 and it was built for amasa Cam- campbell and his family so we're going to give you a little bit of a background on mr campbell so it, it kind of lays a path i think to make other things make sense so mr campbell and his business owner uh business partner i apologize john finch owned two mines these mines were so successful that in 1903 they were actually able to sell them off for um three million dollars in 1903 that's i don't even know how much that is right now and blows my mind
2: though that's a lot of wow
1: yeah so in A little bit before they sold it, however, though, in 1892, Mr. Campbell and Mr. Finch were actually caught in the middle of a violent labor strike, a violent one. That's actually how it says it's a violent labor strike. So uh, we've all, we all know strikes, strikes. we've seen them, we know, you know, what they mean, but a violent one really to be depicted that way, it, it shows you how shows you how bad it probably got. Yeah. So the strike was between union and non-union miners and the owners, the duo, Mr. Campbell and Mr. Finch actually brought in quote, unquote, scab miners by rail from California. So it's awful. And if you think about it at this point, so obviously at some time coming up, they're going to be selling the, selling the mines and whatnot, but, I feel like this right here is pretty pivotal, and I I feel like it shows that the possibility that these two acquired some enemies is probably pretty high. I would imagine. uh, Back to the house now. So the house was constructed for roughly $30,000. but. After everything on the inside was done too, the custom fixtures, the furniture, the house actually cost upwards of $80,000. And today that's over $2.7 million. Jesus.
2: Yeah. Crazy.
1: Now, what happens in this house in the early 1900s is that part I was warning you about. There are a lot of claims that this happened I can't actually find like solid articles, but this is the widest claim that I've seen, and a lot of people seem to believe this. So obviously, there are other stories, like with any other places, there are other stories and other possibilities. But this is the one that I'm going to talk about today. So, in the early 1900s, the Campbell family that had four children would actually lose three of their children in one night brutally oh. so three of their children are, are murdered by an intruder but the fourth child was abducted and never heard from again
2: oh jeez, that's yeah. so bad
1: it is it's awful and so like i said the the sheer evidence to back this up is is very scarce but it did happen a very long time ago so that's not unheard of either
2: yeah i just want to jump in on it so I, I i was taking i'm taking notes if people are wondering what i'm doing but three million dollars in uh 2022 is 85 million seven hundred and fourteen thousand two hundred and eighty five dollars and seventy no that's in 2019 i'm sorry this is it only goes to 2019 and 71 cents so Wow. probably right around there still you know maybe a little bit more because it's 2022 so but yeah 85 million dollars
1: that's oh. insane that's that's crazy i don't
2: yeah that's that's yes. nuts so sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but no I, you know, thank it went...
1: you for looking that up honestly thank you for doing the math i i meant to do it and then it just slipped my mind so um that's insane that's so much money i can't I don't know. All right. (laughs) That's crazy, but thank you. Um, So the Campbell house actually still stands today, but it is currently an arts and culture museum. Cool. So now I'm going to dive into the hauntings and the claims that happen in the house. Uh, There's a portrait or was a portrait. I don't know if it still stands at this moment, but last I was able to read, it was still there. A portrait of Mr. Campbell and the eyes of that portrait are said to follow you i love that that's fairly common in some paintings and it really genuinely has to do with the positioning of the pupils but doesn't make it less creepy still creepy i don't care what anybody says
2: i love it i think it's so cool
1: and it's also believed by some people that his position in the photo fo- in not the photo in the portrait changes slightly. So his, his hands will be in a slightly different position or it'll be leaning more to one side or or however it is. Um, so I, creepy art, absolutely love it. And yeah, so I'm excited. Now, another claim is that in the children's bedrooms, um, quick sightings of the children um, are known to happen. And you can also hear them playing. You can hear the laughter, the chatter, the the happy sounds you would be hearing from a child's bedroom Mm -hmm. um the other claims are pretty standard stuff you get your disembodied voices objects moving pictures tilting um you know you hear footsteps and and whatnot but you know that's so that's all i really have for the campbell house but i love i the story is just so interesting to me because it's I I really feel like when, when, when it's left unknown that way, like where, where is that fourth child? Where, like, what is that? Where did they go? You know, if.
2: it's a great story. That was, yeah. great. and I, uh, yeah, I mean, so sad too. I'm glad you did give that disclaimer because I mean, three out of four and then the fourth missing, which makes total sense to me why the place would be active too, you know? And uh, just, just, just a sad story. But the story had, like, it, you say it was short, but it had a little bit of everything in it, in that, you know, it's, oh God, it's, um yeah. Three out of four, I, I, I couldn't imagine being. Uh, I, I
1: can't imagine losing, any kids, let alone three out of the four. And then the fourth one off is just gone. Yeah. So then you have that whole you just have a whole sense of not knowing and, and it's just I mean that's your baby and you don't I don't know I can't I can't even fathom an so, occurrence like that. It's
2: awful. Yeah it's so sad and it's just uh yeah I mean like losing one and then yeah just that the on the not knowing the not knowing is it's gotta be so terrible it just oh but ah, i loved it that was that was uh that was a good one very i liked it Ooh, it's got hot in my place <laughs> like sweating all of a sudden oh really yeah i don't know why all of a sudden it like it just got hot in here maybe it's just me i got uh, hot
1: flashes maybe
2: yeah going through the menopause. So. <laughs> <That's> so- <laughs> um so yeah this week i had the strange encounter time for the strange encounter so washington's a a very active state um which you would think because it's the pacific northwest again we just know that weird stuff happens in that pacific northwest Um, but as i'm doing research a lot of them are just here sort of typical oh i saw a few lights through the sky or i saw you know just the not a lot not a lot of meat to the bone on them so um i it was uh, a little frustrating because i believe they are the I, i think they said they were like the fifth most active state i think the third or fifth it's one of the more most active states as far as ufo sightings but i eventually found a really cool one and um have you heard of the Maury Island incident?
1: Doesn't ring a bell.
2: So I picked this for uh two reasons, or well, a few reasons, and I'm sure you'll pick up on it why as I'm going through. So the Maury Island incident. So around on or around uh June 26, 1947, Harold Dahl and his boss Fred Chris Mann reported an explosion of a giant donut shaped flying saucer near Maury Island in the Puget Sound. Now, supposedly the explosion happened on June 21st, 1947, so about five days earlier. They waited about five days to report it. And uh, they claim on the 21st, Dahl and his son, Christopher, Who are lumber salvagers i had never heard of a lumber salvager i guess it was a job at the time i don't know if it still is it's they would drive around they have a boat and they go around uh, primarily in the puget sound but they might go out a little bit further and they just salvage lumber. they you grab it and then they work for that christmas guy and he sells it to other people whatever they they salvage it's like oh that's interesting job never heard of you know
1: no that's cool though
2: yeah collecting timber from the sea so on that day they claim that six unidentified flying objects appeared in the sky right above their boat and then all of a sudden one of them just suddenly explodes and starts raining down a metal substance that would kill their dog oh. and yeah sad and burn his son Christopher's arm so obviously terrified and frightened and uh they' are like all right we gotta get out of here they turn the boat around and they just head back for shore and they are so scared and just want to get out of there so quickly that they just run the boat right up onto the beach they you know, ground their, yeah, they ground their boat which is not a good thing to do and hard to. <laughs> hard to take care of because it's a 50 foot boat too it's not like a little dinghy oh something.
1: so yeah uh, that's not gonna be easy to yeah
2: effects yeah but they're so terrified that they run it aground and they just jump off and they run and hide uh in some cliffs that are uh near the beach on on uh maury island and they just hide in there for hours hmm. so um so eventually you know they make their way out and you know head you know try to get the boat back in the water and head back to work or whatever and um so after the incident Dahl gives his boss fred chrisman um two fragments that supposedly came from the explosion and chrisman then in turn passes that off to a ufo magazine publisher named ray palmer ray palmer then retains a kenneth arnold to investigate it kenneth arnold in turn uh gets two u.s army specialists to investigate it
1: passing that right along aren't they
2: yeah yeah i thought that was kind of interesting and so the, the, uh, the two U.S. Army specialists, they box it up and, um, for examination, and uh, they uh, are going to take it back to their uh, headquarters in San Francisco. So they, uh, they on August 1st, they hop on their B-25 plane, um, leaving from Tacoma, heading to San Francisco uh, when en route. Their plane crashes and they both die. So, very quickly, the Tacoma Times reports that the plane was either sabotaged or shot down to prevent the in- inspection of the cargo, which I mean, it does seem strange that the plane goes down. So, I don't know where they got that info, if it was just, or they just, you know, may- made that leap themselves, but yeah. that's what, what they claimed. And it's right around this time. That Dahl and Chrisman claim that they are starting to get visits and it becomes multiple visits from men dressed in all black, telling them to keep their mouth shut. Uh, don't tell anybody. If they tell anybody, there's gonna be trouble for them and problems, and, and um they better keep their mouth shut. And,
1: That's so okay, not to interrupt. Is that one that has to be one of the reasons you picked it, right? Yes. I love it. Awesome.
2: Yes. Once I read that I was like, "Oh wow, that's cool." And uh, yeah, so they tell them don't say a word. Um and they they kind of keep quiet for a little while. But uh so soon after that plane crash, um you know, where the B25 with the Army Rangers or Army uh, specialists, uh the FBI gets involved and they start to investigate. Um and very like a couple of days into their investigation, they claim that Dahl and Chrisman both admit that it was a hoax. Now, I have never seen anything from either Dahl or Chrisman specifically saying it was a hoax. They've never came out and said no, it was a hoax or anything like that. This is what the, the as far as my research goes. Uh, this is just the FBI saying yes, they admitted that it was all a hoax. Um, And they said after um, testing some of the metals, because I guess they were uh, able to retrieve that supposed metal from that B-25 crash, uh, that the debris uh, or the metal that supposedly rained down was actually just debris from the sea and pumice from the beach reading
1: down? Yeah. Right. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So hmm. I don't know. But uh, um so and then and then they also said they looked into the uh the plane crash and it was nothing more than just an engine fire that it just got out of hand. And it was nothing else to it. It wasn't shot down, it wasn't sabotaged, it was your normal old engine fire. I don't know. Again. Huh. So um so that's essentially it. There's not too much more after that, but you pick up on one of the reasons I picked it, yeah, was because of The Men in Black, which I mm-hmm. love, and it's actually to my not to in my research, it is the earliest mention of The Men in Black. So I thought that was cool. Um, now there may have been a couple, but in my research, I it was the earliest, and then the second reason I had uh picked it it is it is one of the earlier mentions of a flying saucer as we know it, these the flying that we picture because this was a couple months before Roswell, uh, you know, the big alien thing and stuff. So it, it kind of helped that the whole you know, the UFOs and flying saucers came into the uh, vernacular or whatever, um, because uh, due to this story. So I thought that was really interesting. But one last thing, there was an update. And it supposedly in 2007, the Seattle Museum of Mysteries, somehow obtained some of the metal that had rained down on them. Um, and analyzed this this debris and claim that it was nothing well it was a common igneous rocks and possibly fragments from a meteor but there was no other update after 2007 saying oh it was definitely a meteor or this or that it was just that was the last update on it from 2007 so i don't know but that's the story and i thought that was a lot I, i i really had fun doing that one you know what? You know what I always find
1: funny about stories stories like the one you just told the one the one you just told is um it happened in the in the forties correct mm-hmm. in the nineteen forties
2: yeah oh, forty seven
1: if it was nothing if it was just an engine fire or pumice from a beach or what why in two thousand and seven are they still looking at it like why yeah why in two thousand and seven is that still even kind of on their radar and it almost it almost truly discredits it them not the story a lot because if it's nothing at all and it's oh it's a lie it's a hoax it's a they said it was a hoax yeah why are you still looking at it in 2007
2: that's a great point I'm glad you brought that up because yeah why would you and then it, it was completely different when this in 27 and when in oh seven when they analyzed it from when the FBI analyzed it, you know, it was what, would, would they said it was pumice from the beach and yeah. And, and, and some debris from the water where then in oh seven it's all of a sudden igneous rocks and a meteor. So it's, yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, and it just, just how quickly all of a sudden they, you know two days into the fbi's investigation they they just say oh it's a hoax after doing all this what i want to know no mention of the dog yeah i know i was gonna
1: say it and then part of me was like well maybe maybe you just maybe didn't read that
2: part because obviously the dog did but there was nothing no, it just said that it killed the dog, and but it's never referenced again. The FBI in their investigation, to my knowledge, never brings yeah. up the dog. I mean, so what happened to this dog then? <laughs> if it wasn't yeah. like, I mean, I I I I can't imagine because from the research, these seem like pretty normal people. That yeah. Maybe- they would kill a dog just to, for a hoax, you know what I mean? And like, nobody would do that because as you know, like dogs are people consider them family members, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I thought that one, I was, I, that was, that one stuck out to me. I was like, what, what happened to the dog? You would have to
1: assume that if, if so again, if, if this happened in 1947 and in 2007 is still investigating it, there was clearly something that struck the people doing the investigations as odd that obviously they're not going to tell everybody else because you know whatever. But I mean, so maybe they they took the dog. I mean, it would make sense to take the dog, right, and try to figure out.
2: It, it, you would think. I don't know. It's, it's weird and as we've seen with uh, doing these strange encounters now for whatever 22 23 episodes is that when uh, a lot in the fbi or authorities get involved it's just weird stuff they have weird explanations for stuff and it's like it's almost insulting to your intelligence because it's just like they they they're so matter of fact no it was this and that and you're like yeah but what about this and this and this and they're just they don't say anything (laughs) it's um it it can be frustrating it's um but yeah i had uh that that was again that was a fun one for me because again sometimes like guys when we're doing these strange encounters there's not a lot of meat to the bone and so it's a lot of fun when you find one that's got a cool story and it's like being one of the you know originators of of flying saucers as we know it i just i find that fascinating so Oh, yeah.
1: All right. Well, I think I think that's all I have. What about you? That is all I have. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week when we set up camp in Delaware. Until then, happy camping.
2: Thanks, guys. Bye.
0: As always, our host would like to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at ScareYourPantsOffPod, no spaces, or on Twitter, ScareYourPantsOffPodcast. Or send us an email with questions, comments, and fan art to ScareYourPantsOff9 at Gmail. See you next time.